Without intimacy, you're just boffing, right? It's just, it's an animal act. You know, what separates the animal act from a true spiritual connection and meeting is intimacy. When you're tense, you want to have sex. And after sex, you feel a sense of release. And after the release, you feel trust and love and connection. Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to talk about tales of tender warriors. That's right. Reimagining male intimacy. That is today's topic. And we're basically building on the last episode in which we talked about the importance and value of men being vulnerable in their relationship. And in the last episode, we talked about the challenges of vulnerability. You should go check it out because I'm not going to cover it too in depth here. But let's face it, vulnerability is not a quality highly valued by American society today yet. It is a quality that we are helping to grow. You, me, and anybody that you recommend to this podcast, anyone who subscribed to this podcast, we are actively growing vulnerability in men. That doesn't mean that men are weak. It doesn't mean that men can't stand up and fight what they need to. It means that when they're alone, when we, men, are alone with our partner, the woman that we love, that we can show her all of who we are, all of our feelings. We're in touch with all of our feelings, even those shady feelings like fear, sadness, and hurt, which feel like no wins to us. We can even have those. And what we explored in the last episode is that having those emotions helps us to connect with our partner, right? Like empathy is built on our ability to feel other people's pain, basically. So when we deny our own pain, we can't connect as well with other people. Now, as men, sometimes we need to deny our pain in order to move forward, right? There are situations, I'll go back to my childhood. When I was a kid, there were a lot of people who thought I was a great target. And if I lived in my fear, you know, or if I lived in my sadness or hurt over the fact that these people that I really want to be my friends wanted to shake me down or have uh, authority over me in a way that I didn't want them to, then I wouldn't have been able to move forward. Instead, I needed to step into a place where I could be, even though those feelings were happening for me, I needed to encapsulate them and move forward with confidence. And by moving forward with confidence, I actually ended up befriending a lot of those kids who thought that I was prey, right? I actually ended up becoming friends with them, right? Now, the thing is, the trick is to have those feelings at another time. Or if, if they're not helpful for us in the moment, we need to have them at another time. And who better to share our feelings with than our partner, the person that we love? And so what we explored in the last episode are what are the constraints on that? How can men and women better share all of their feelings and still be functional in their roles, in their marriage, be functional in their roles in the world? and feel confident and true to themselves, right? Major, major, major mission we're on here. And the other side of this is that when men are vulnerable with their partners, there's greater intimacy. And I'm not just talking about physical intimacy. I'm talking about emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy is founded on caring conversation, on trust, and on empathy. Right. And we just said 
you can't really have empathy if you're not in touch with the full range of your feelings. If you're suppressing feelings or pretending that they're not there or you don't have them, that it's harder, far more challenging, in fact, to connect with empathy. And if we're having trouble connecting with empathy, it's harder to trust. And if it's harder to trust those caring conversations, they're just not going to happen. Are you feeling where I'm coming from here? Are you hearing what I'm laying down? Are you willing to go down these tracks with me? All right, cool. Let's go. Let's go down the track. The rich in relationship train is chugging down the track of emotional and physical intimacy because when we're emotionally intimate, sex is so much better, right? And I'm not talking about that raw animal thing. I'm talking about that sex where you feel like you're really connecting. I'm talking about baby making sex, right? Baby making sex is where two people really connect emotionally. Right? And what we mentioned in the last episode is when you love someone, you are actually pouring spiritually part of yourself into them. And when they love you, they are pouring something into you. That is, it could only happen when there's intimacy. Without intimacy, you're just boffing, right? It's just, it's an animal act. You know, what separates the animal act from a true spiritual connection and meeting is intimacy and intimacy based on trust, empathy, and caring communication. So let's do a deep dive on intimacy here. Emotional intimacy for men is more about understanding and companionship. And I promise you, we're going to go deep with this. For women, it's more about being heard and validated. And there are very subtle differences between these two things. Men want to feel understood by their partner more than just being heard. It's about mutual companionship, but I think that's almost the wrong word. It's about being on a, a journey together, companionship implies a journey together. And the reason is that men are super goal-oriented. They're always on a journey. While women tend to be more about exploring the ecology, making sure that everything is as it should be, that it's safe. And in order to have that experience, they need to feel heard and validated, right? They need to feel truly listened to. The challenge for men is overcoming societal norms that equate with vulnerability and weakness, right? So in order for us to really feel like we have a companion, we have to show them a side of ourselves that we don't show most people. The challenge for women is giving the men permission to do that. Part of the challenge for men is allowing women to take the lead from time to time because men often feel like they should be in the lead. The challenge for women is to know when to lead and how. And I'm talking about in bed, by the way. I want to be really clear. Right now, I'm talking about in bed. I'm not talking about in the rest of our lives. We've talked, covered that a lot, but this is a much more intimate topic, if you will. So let's talk a little bit about what these differences are and why. You know, historically, men have been conditioned to be stoic, repressing their emotions, not openly discussing their feelings. And when they do choose to open up, it can be a significant moment. They hope for a deeper understanding from their partner when they do that. They hope that their wife will understand them more deeply. And given how rare it is or how challenging it might be for them to do that, that's why they really want to be understood, not just heard. And understood would mean, in this context, that they're, I think I'm going to go with accepted 
as still being whole and complete in all of who they are. Women have often been encouraged to be more expressive and talkative about their feelings. Actually, I wouldn't say encouraged. I would say that for a long time, because women were tasked up until recently with raising children, it was their job to make sure that the environment that those children were in was safe and secure. And so not only were they encouraged, but they desired to be talkative because they wanted to make sure that everybody in the community was really on their side, in alignment. They want to know who the threat, potential threats were. They want to know who their potential allies were. They want to know all that. And so they, t- and also the way their brain is wired, women tend to be more verbal. They tend to find expressing their emotions more cathartic. Now, let's talk about the different communication styles that come out of this. Men communicate and they can communicate about personal or emotional topics, but they often aim to convey the information to seek solutions. Right, so they will say, "I'm so angry, and I we need to, you know, where we need I need to do this, and I'm so angry that we're not doing this." It's always contextualized. So understanding means not only that their feeling is understood, but the context for their feeling. In fact, without the context, the feeling is almost meaningless for them, and it's a big problem in communication with women because women will prioritize relational aspects of communication and sharing and relating. And being heard is therapeutic in itself for them. Just being heard is therapeutic for themselves, for that, for them in itself. The context is less important in terms of the communication. They want to, they want to know that their feeling was gotten, because having their feelings understood is part of how they ensured safety for children when women were the primary caregivers. And it's interesting because now that men can be primary caregivers. I promise you, when you look at how they raise children, you'll see that the way they think about raising children is very different than the way women do. The way they think about safety is very different than the way women do. There are just nuances that men get and don't get that women don't get and get and vice versa. So what's really important to understand about men and vulnerability is they don't just want you to say, oh, wow, I get it. You were really angry. What they want you to say is, I get it. When that kind of thing happens, it really it makes you really angry because where you want to go is they want to make sure that you're on board with them, that you really understand where you're going, they're going, where you're both going, right? If they're talking about themselves, it'll be themselves. If they're talking about uh, where the family's going, they want to make sure that you're on the same page about that, right? For them, the goal orientation is always present. And men, when you're talking to women about emotions, they're much more, it's much more important to them that you really understand the depth and breadth of their emotion than the actual situation. So what happens here is men tend to, when they're talking with women, they, and women bear themselves to the men, men start to try and fix the problem, which is not what the women want. And women, when men bear themselves, right, you tend to validate the emotion when for them, they're really looking for the solution that will help the emotion to dissipate or be complete, depending on what we're talking about. Men are going to feel more vulnerable when sharing. Most men are going to feel more vulnerable when sharing emotions. And we talked about in the last episode how homosexuals, for example, may be more comfortable with that since we were talking about men who are more in touch with their female sides, feminine side in some way. But we're talking now we're talking about a majority of the marriages in America and men who are in relationships with women. And so, again, being deeply understood is what's going to make them feel the most safe. 
And women, the act of being heard can create emotional safety. Now, how do these two things impact physical intimacy? Well, man, I've got a newsflash for you. The way you're wired, you, when you're feeling uncomfortable, want to do things in order to release the discomfort or move through the discomfort. <laughs> so what that looks like is when you're tense, you want to have sex. And after sex, you feel a sense of release. And after the release, you feel trust and love and connection. Women are wired opposite. For them to be physically intimate with a man, a woman first, ideally, will want to feel safe and heard and connected and loved. For women, the physical intimacy is a consummation of that sense of safety and trust and love that's already present. And for men, sex is a journey to the experience of connection and love and trust. Does it make sense to you? Is it starting to make sense to you? And it all has to do with the way our brains are wired. So let's talk about biological and psychological factors a little. A lot of research suggests that biological and psychological differences in how men and women process emotions, social interactions, and communication are driven by our brain structures and basically by levels of testosterone and estrogen. Now, all of this is still being proven out and tested, but the brain science on this is 20 years old. We've talked about before, women have a lot more communication. A better way to put this would be brains that evolve in a body that is high in estrogen have far more connections between the lobes and have a tendency to be more emotionally connected and aware. Brains that evolve in a body that's high in testosterone tend to have less connection between the two lobes. And those people with those brain structures tend to hang out in one lobe or the other. They have trouble shifting back and forth. And so they may be less in touch. They're either going to be intensely in touch with their emotions, uncomfortably so, or they're always going to be logical and rational, right? And so uh, that's why this supports Brene Brown's study on shame, which basically indicated that when men feel shame, they either shut down emotionally, they're very logical, or they're extremely raging, like intense anger, right? And anger is the cover feeling for hurt, sad, and fearful. And so it's these biological differences that are driving these communication differences. And it's really important that men and women get these differences and lean into them because you start to understand why a woman says one thing and a man hears another, and why a man says one thing and a woman hears the other. But when you start to understand how a woman thinks or how a man thinks, you begin to be able to decode what they're actually saying. I'm wondering how much deeper we need to go here on being heard and being understood. All right, we're almost out of time, so we're not going to go any deeper with that. Let's go to what this means. So men have a desire to take the lead because they're goal-oriented, and women have a tendency to want them to take the lead. But that does not mean that they want men in charge all the time, 24-7. Let's be really clear. And they, women do not want men to lead if they're going to lead in a direction that a woman does not want. So let's boil this down to physical intimacy. How does this work? Let's go back to the beginning. There are. This is the way a male-female relationship evolves. First, you develop a friendship. This is the way sober men and women develop a relationship. If you developed a relationship in a different way, you may not have been sober. Sober meaning not under the influence of something. First, you develop a friendship. So on the, on the grounds of friendship, you have an understanding of each other. You realize you have shared values. 
you have uh, some mutual goals, you like each other, it's fun to be with each other. Maybe you find there's a spark of attraction in there, or maybe there's a raging fire of attraction, but there's still the friendship basis is the first thing that needs to happen in a healthy male-female relationship. The next step is going to be courting. And in courting, we're playing with the idea of being physically intimate, or we might actually be physically intimate depending on your culture and background. But when we're courting, we're exploring what would our future like to look like together? When we're courting, what is your family like? What's my family like? This is where you're meeting the parents and doing all that good stuff, right? And the reason why, when you, if you meet someone and a week later, they're introducing you to your family, you're like, whoa, this is too much too fast, is because the friendship base wasn't put in yet and courting happened too quickly. So these things have definite emotional foundations. Now, somewhere in courting, physical intimacy happens. And the man generally in a standard relationship, I'm not talking about you go to a club and pick someone up and you've decided by mutual agreement that your animal urge has driven you both to go off and boff. I'm talking about a relationship here, all right? In the, somewhere in the courting phase, you're going to give, you decide you're going to allow that attraction to blossom. And this is a dance where men intimate that they would like that or and or women give signals that they have permission, depending on how the man and the woman were raised. Who starts that? Completely up to the man and the woman. If a woman prefers a more aggressive man and he does not give her a signal that he's interested in her, that she's attractive, that she's a beautiful woman, that he would like to know more about her physically, nothing's going to happen if he doesn't act, if she, if she wants that. If she is a woman who comes from a culture where that there needs to be a level of trust and respect first, the man will let the woman know she's attractive and beautiful without any innuendo. And the woman will initiate by saying, you may now come on to me. And then the back and forth dance of, I'm interested in you. It's safe. Oh, I'm more interested in you. It's safer until the relationship is consummated, until the physical relationship is consummated. Why am I sharing that with you? Because sometimes when we get married, we forget about that dance. And what happens is when communication breakdown happens, men don't understand why they say, hey, I want to be intimate with you. And the woman's like, nah, right? The reason is she's not feeling the trust. The reason is she's not feeling the connection or you might be breaking, you might not be doing the dance anymore. You might be just saying, hey, you're my wife, let's do it, which is not part of the dance, by the way. And she might do you a favor and do it anyway, because maybe she's like feeling a little physically driven. But if what you want is really intimate sex, a dance of mutual respect and recognition and communication is necessary. Are you feeling me here? And so if I'm honest, with the couples that I work with, most women want the man to take the lead, but they want them to do it respectfully. They want the man to say, ah, you know what? You got something I want. You're so special. What do you say? They don't, right? The next line is, what do you, what do you think? What do you say? The next line is not, give it to me. <laughs> okay? And very often as men, we slip into, give it to me, depending on how intense our need or our urge is. And that's, that is sometimes going to be a turnoff. You know, if you're, if you have high levels of intimacy and it feels very safe, give it to me might be the signal for let's really have a good time together. If you have low levels of intimacy, give it to me feels like a threat. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? So your 
expected to take the lead, but you always have to be attentive to how safe is your wife feeling or how safe is the woman that you're living with feeling. It's huge, all right? And should she say, yeah, that's great. She may want to take the lead for a while, right? And this is like, maybe she wants to be on top. Maybe that's what taking the lead means for her. Maybe she's going to tell you what she wants with words. Maybe she's going to tell you what she wants, the way she moves her body. You want to be very attentive. You want to be attentive to her body language, which, by the way, is not something men are really good at. She may be giving you signals, and she may be thinking, what is wrong with this bonehead? Because women read body language and read micro-expressions so much better than men. And so, men, you need to work at this. Right? You need to work at, for the signal. what is the signal that means I am in charge here, and I'm going to take the lead? And what is the signal for she wants to take the lead? I'm going to allow her to take the lead. I'm going to allow her to tell me what her wants and needs are, or I'm going to tell her what my wants and needs are. It's a very intense dance. And let's go back to what is the basis of intimacy. Remember, it has three components, empathy, trust, and caring communication. You can have caring communication about sex. In fact, I would say it's vital. This podcast episode right here, listen to it together and talk about it. And, you know, she might say, Rich, well, he's full of crap about that, but he's good about this. Or you may say, I'm full of crap about this or full of crap about that. It doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. What matters is you're having the conversation, right? Have the conversation. And if one or both of you is very uncomfortable about it, you might want to ease into it. It's got to be at times when both of you feels exceptionally safe. The kids need to be to sleep. Everything needs to be settled. It has to have been a very good day. You know, I have a client who has a wife who's very, um, was raised not to talk about sex. She's very almost Victorian emotionally, even though she considers herself a very liberated woman in some ways. And so he's had to work, but he was raised to talk about sex. Like his mom and his dad talked to him about it when he was a kid. And he, so he's had to sort of ease into this with her over time so that there, you don't expect if one of you has got some un- uncomfort or even repression around talking about sex, do not expect this to be an all-out conversation about what's your favorite position because that's not going to happen. You know, it needs to start out with a small conversation and only as little as feels safe to both of you. And then the next conversation might be a little more, right? This is an, uh, by the way, this is an ongoing conversation. And after a while, what my client found was after a while, she started talking about sex afterwards where she said, wow, I really enjoyed that. She never used to do that. And he'd say, really? Tell me more. What did you enjoy about it? And maybe the first time he asked that, she was like speechless, The second time, she was able to talk about it in little ways. The third time, she was able to talk about it more. So the opportunities to have those caring conversations, you know, sometimes come up organically. But the conversation is really important because the more you understand about your partner's physical needs and emotional needs, and the more vulnerable you are with each other in those conversations, the more intimacy you build, the more trust and empathy you build with those caring conversations and therefore intimacy. All right, we've gone way over today. The next episode, I think it has to do uh, with leadership, actually. I'm not 100% sure. But if you like this, please recommend the podcast to your friends. Make sure 
that you are subscribed because we're going to do more of this good stuff. Make sure that you're liking it. Make sure that you're getting more, 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 more. And look, if you have topics that you want us to explore, I am clearly not afraid to talk about anything. And if I am, I'm going to break through and talk about it anyway, because that's how we roll here at Rich in Relationship. So let us know what it is you'd like to hear about. Let us know what are the topics you'd like to explore more deeply. Let And if there's topics we're talking about that you don't want to talk about, direct message me, reach out to me any way that you can. You know, we're invested in giving you the information you need to have a life that is what? Are you ready? Rich in relationship. Thank you again for listening. <laughs> 